before coming up here, one of my friends reminded me that the way we're supposed to spell church is F-U-N. Seriously, um, I don't think that the world is going to be knocking down the door of, like, the lame church of first lamentations. They're not going to be dying to get in those pews. They're not going to be looking in at the, the bored, upset, bitter people and thinking, man, I wish I could hang out with them. <laughs> right? Heaven has all the stock on joy. Heaven has the market cornered on party. Have you read any of the descriptions of what heaven is? It is a party. It is a party. And so when, when we were singing that song, heaven come down, what we were actually praying is celebration party of heaven. Invade this room. Make it look like it does in the throne room because Jesus is victorious and they're all singing about it. He won. He won. He won. He won. It is accomplished. So when that party starts to invade, that's when the hungry will start to invade too. And our doors will be beaten down by the people who are dying to party with us. I heard a prophetic song during worship and it goes something like this. Ali, Ali, oxen free, I'm coming out of hiding. Ali, Ali, oxen free, I'm embracing how you made me. No fear or shame can stop me. I just kept singing that. You guys ever played hide and seek? And when you give up, you shout out, Ali, Ali, oxen free. I think that that's what we were shouting today. A lot of times our, our prayers and our, and our songs, we are, we're begging God to do things he's already done. Wasting a lot of energy pleading with him to be something that he doesn't know how to not be, which is here. He is so close to you. He is is closer to the real you than your body is close to the real you. Your spirit and his are so interconnected that you will never be able to separate them. So really, it's us that's coming out of hiding, not him. We draw near to the Lord, and he draws near to us. That's a great way to look at it. What the author is saying is that when you turn your heart towards the Lord, bam, there he is. He's there all along, because never does he leave, and never does he forsake. Um, Okay, that covers that. That was the prophetic stuff from worship. All right, now, today I'm going to try to speak like Jesus did and does. Um, So be very... Worried, because when when he preached, he uh, confused the majority, ticked off the religious, and fed the hungry and humble. (laughs) Seriously, Jesus would drop these bombs of like revelation in the form of a parable, some weird metaphor, and everyone would be like, "What did he say? (laughs) What?" did he just say? And, and people would be confused and offended and, and Jesus wouldn't explain it. He'd be like, go, go figure it out. It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. See, he knew he was going to give us the Holy Spirit who would lead us into all truth. 
And he would, and the Holy Spirit would remind us of everything that Jesus said. And I believe that's John 14, 26. And he'd give us wisdom and revelation and show us the mysteries of his heart and his personality. My favorite moments are when I get another glimpse of his personality. I realize, wait a minute, you weren't the jerk that I thought you were. All right, here's what the Lord told me to uh, talk about today. Um, We are in a time where God will not let you accomplish your dreams on your own. We've been getting all these prophetic words from, from visitors that are amazing about how, like, the church has been in this holding pattern or you've got these desires and dreams of your heart that you've just been fighting, fighting and fighting for and, and these visions that, that the Lord's given you and, and breakthroughs coming. It, it, it's, it's the winds that were against you are about to be for you. And um, I want to tell you something uh, that is absolutely not true. Unless you start to partner with the people that the Lord's placed around you. He's actually more interested in having you go through the joys and turmoil of relationship than to have another world changer on his hands. Can I say that again? He, he is more interested in having you go through the joys and the turmoil of intimate relationship than he is interested in having another world changer rogue prophet on his hands. What we think we need to be happy is success in achieving our goals, but what we truly need is community to grow into the nature of Christ, and then we'll find out what happiness is. He's not being a bully when he withholds the success that we desire, but he knows it won't satisfy us. You may be a visionary and have great dreams and goals, which would make you kind of like a head of the body of Christ. If you're like a visionary or prophetic, and, or, you just, or you have vision for your own life, then you are the head. But what does a head need to get to where it's going? A body. It definitely needs legs and feet and everything that connects it, right? Otherwise, it's just going to be this floating head. <laughs> Never mind. You're not going to go anywhere. Let's just get back on track. Um, This applies to every one of us, not just pastors or church leaders. You have vision for your life, and the Lord's not going to let you accomplish it unless you start to embrace the people around you that he placed in your life. You actually need each other. I need you really bad. And you know, I, I need you to, to be yourself so badly because Christ is hidden part of his image in you. And I won't see all of Jesus until you're full of yourself. When we stand before the Lord, what if he asks us instead, did you accomplish everything that I set out for you? Did you accomplish all the tasks? What if, instead of asking that, what if he asked this, What are the desires, dreams, and passions of all of your friends? And how did you spend your life helping them accomplish those dreams? Did you learn to love? No greater love, sorry, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So when we stand before him and he asks, did you learn to love? 
And he, and he lays out like all these great things that, you know, that he had for us to accomplish. What he's going to be asking is, did you lay down your life to help others accomplish their desires and dreams? Did you partner? That's John 15, 13. I have a, a pastoral heart most of the time. And I desire my friends and students uh, in Encounter Jesus School, which starts February 2nd, apply online. Encounter Jesus School, that semester is going to be so cool. I know some of the people that have already applied and committed to it, and it's going to be a blast. Encounter Jesus School, 10 weeks of glory. Um, So because I have a pastoral heart, I want my students and my friends to learn from my mistakes. And um, my students will frequently frequently hear me say things like, let me make that mistake for you, because I already made it. Let Learn from my mistake. I already made that mistake. Try this direction. Sometimes it works. Um, I heard someone say one time, good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. Good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. In other words, you can make mistakes. In fact, mistakes are good. I just heard of a CEO that um, approached his most valued and talented employee and um, said, we need to have a meeting, have a discussion. And so when they got together, the CEO said, I've noticed that you haven't made any mistakes lately. And the employee quizzically said, yes. And the CEO replied, our company cannot be on the cutting edge unless you're doing things so extreme that you often make mistakes. Today, what we're going to be talking about is um, lessons in leadership, and next Sunday, too. They made the mistake of giving me two weeks in a row. <clears throat> um, see, I've, I've only been making mistakes for a little over three decades, but some of you have been making mistakes for four or five decades, maybe even six decades in here, and I need your wisdom from those mistakes that you made so I don't have to make them, Right? We actually, we really, we really need the gray-haired gooses. The gray-haired gooses that are squawking, telling us about their mistakes. We need you real bad. <clears throat> I say that in the most honoring way. I'll get to it later, why I love geese. <laughs> um, I'd say that I've, I've probably wasted huge, huge chunks of my life that the Lord has already redeemed. And he's going to be redeeming some more of those chunks that I've wasted because God has this super highway system that accelerates us to our destiny much faster than our, our mistakes can carry us to our demise. And it's called wisdom and revelation. It's in Ephesians 1.17 and it says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order, to which, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
I met wisdom in Revelation once. I know that sounds weird, but I did. I was in a dream, and um, I was in this old school church with pews and a and a high arched roof, you know, where the steeple would be. And the pastor was saying something, but then this this door this door or window I didn't even know, like way up at the peak of the roof, opened up, and I levitated out of my chair and everyone in the church freaked out. I mean, they're screaming like, that dude is flying. And, and, I, and I knew I was going towards that window. It's like, here I go, here I go. And so I went through that, that open window and instantly I was in a room with these two incredibly otherworldly large men that were very regal. And, um, and I, I, they, they felt very angelic. And when they spoke, it kind of sounded like instruments. And the first one spoke and, and said, um, Jeremy, you were supposed to go to a four-year university and get a degree in, in thus and such, but you didn't. You made some, some bad choices, but we're here to fix it. And both of them touched me at the same time and, and put their hands like, I felt like they went in my chest. I'm not sure if they did or not, but I felt all of this knowledge entering me. And I, and I turned to him and I said, ask me any question. Ask me any question. And so they asked me questions of physics and I knew the answer. It just came right out of me. Questions of history and science and math and all the answers were flying out of me. And I woke up and the Lord said, you just met wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revelation is like a superhighway that accelerates you to where you need to be. All right. So here are some lessons in uh, leadership. You are doing too much. You're doing too much. The secret of concentration is elimination. It's Howard Hendricks. And I know the heart behind it. Uh, you want to demonstrate that you know nothing is beneath you or that you, you have a servant's heart. And so you try to become a, a jack of all trades. But here are two important rules. The less you do, the more you accomplish. And the less you do, the more you enable others. If you're um, being the Martha in the situation, you know, like Martha and Mary of Bethany, Martha was the one that was continu- like working and prepping the meal and cleaning the house and vacuuming the old um, camel skin rug, you know, so that the, the little house looked awesome for Jesus to hang out in. If you're always doing that and fixing everything and trying to make everything right, then other people that have that same gift, they never get a chance to operate in it. I think it, maybe it was Vincent who said, I need, I need you to be weak sometimes so I can be strong. There's a myth that leaders have to be good at, at everything, um, but I'm talking about all of us. We're all leaders. You guys know that like when you, you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and trusted him to give you a new life, you became sons of God. In other words, like you're in charge of some very important stuff on planet Earth. Like his DNA and authority rests on you and in you. Like you are a leader. You are actually part of a race that didn't exist before you believed in Christ. 
He has made you a new creation. John chapter one actually says that when you believe in Christ, you, you are no longer born of your natural parents. You're born of the spirit, you're born of God. So you're actually a brand new thing the world hadn't seen before you believed. So this is, uh, this is for everyone in here. Learn to concentrate on your strengths. Uh, if you're juggling a whole bunch of stuff, figure out which ones you're, you can drop and let them drop. Become mission-driven instead of need-driven. And here's the thing. This is why this is important. Church leaders can't pastor you. I know that, that might like sound crazy. It's like their job and stuff, but church leaders can't pastor you. They can't pastor. The church leaders can't pastor. That's why we need the body. The, the body actually pastors the people. Disciples disciple. Every one of you, including me, we are disciplers. In fact, if you're not discipling, you're not truly a disciple. I'm sorry to be that harsh, but if you're not discipling, you're not a disciple because disciples disciple. Because the leaders can't be your answer. The prophets, if there's like a resident prophet, that prophet can't encourage and exhort everyone in the church on a Sunday. That's why you may all prophesy, 1 Corinthians 14, 31. Some are more accurate than others, and that's where you figure out like who's got the, like the cool prophetic anointing. The resident healer cannot lay hands on everyone who is sick and have 100% success. That's why we're all instructed to lay hands on the sick. And in the process of doing that, you, you kind of figure out who's like more successful or more effective. And then you're like, oh, so like there's 15 people who have like really sick healing anointings. That's way better than just going to the one pastor all the time and wearing them out about the warts on your feet. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or whatever ailment. I had a ward on my foot. I cursed it. It fell off. You should try it. I cursed it like that fig tree. We have uh, unbelievably unhealthy expectations of our leaders. They can't be our answer. Although they are awesome, they probably only have time for about 12 close friends. And I think it would do us a lot of good if we regard leaders, the uh, established leaders in a church, as the faithful people that laid down their lives to create a place for us to be the body. That's what the leaders do and have done and will continue to do. They've laid down their lives to create a place where we can worship together. Good leaders create a place for you to be you. True leaders create nurseries, incubators, and R&D labs. True leaders are also looking for legacy and looking for their replacement. Do you know the highest rank in our government has a four-year rotation? And if the president proves himself effective, then the people can choose to rehire him or her for another four years. Do you know that a uh, migratory flock of ducks flies in a, in a V pattern? This is where the goose can come back in, the geese. Here you go. This is why I love the geese. They fly in in a V. Do you know why? 
the leader duck at the point of the V cuts through the harshest amount of wind. And when, when, that, when that goose, when that goose's wings come down, it pushes air down and backwards in a circular pattern, and the air actually comes up, and it creates an updraft for the goose behind him. And that pattern ca- carries out all the way down the flanks of the flying V. So the leader is actually doing the most work. And do you know what happens after an hour or so? They rotate. This is so that none of the ducks get completely wore out. Now, I'm not saying that um, the pastors have to be on some kind of rotating schedule or anything like that. But, um, you know, there are times... There are times when you're allowed to sit down and let someone else take over. Every one of you. In fact, it would probably do us a whole lot of good to sit down and let someone else take over for a minute. Especially if you you look at it in the light of um, uh, 1 John, I believe it's 5.3 or 5.13 or something like that. It says, uh, the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. That's a crazy statement. I thought we were supposed to like have a real rough go at this thing. And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not holy unless you're struggling your guts out. But the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. I mean, come on, that is some great news right now, right there. Like if you're actually in something that is super burdensome, which is like taxing, wearying, waiting, marked with great psychological weight. If you're in something like that, I might ask the Lord, hey, Lord, uh, did you tell me to do this? Or was I bamboozled by the religious spirit again? Was, was the religious spirit masquerading as my Lord telling me to do something that would kill me, to put a weight on my shoulder that would crush me? What if we started measuring our success by how Others have succeeded whom we have helped. Guys, not even Jesus could carry his own cross. What makes you think that you can do it on your own? The answer is you can't. I can't. I can't do it without my wife, my friends, my in-laws, my family. I can't. I can't carry it. I can't, I can't even succeed in the, in the dreams and desires of my heart unless I'm humble enough to lay it down and say, I need help right now. I need you to help me. I'm telling you. And what if uh, Simon, the cross carrier, Simon of Cyrene, what if when he stood before the Lord, he found out that his, uh, his reward and his inheritance was assisting the Son of God in instituting the new covenant. Anybody have a friend that you know is supposed to be famous? Anybody? Like, there's just something about them that shines. I mean, everyone, everyone is special, but there's something about them that calls for a platform. It, it's not their fault. It's how they were made. But you know that if they would just step into, 
you know that if they would just step in to what they were made to do, that that gift would bring them before kings? Why aren't you telling them that? Why aren't we reminding them? Why aren't we calling the people that we know that might be able to place them in front of the right person that promotes them into the desires of their heart? I've got these, these musical disciples that are so much more talented than me that I love watching them lead worship. And I, and I know that they're going to be so famous. They're ridiculously good. And like Vince and I, when we lead Encounter Jesus School, we don't do it perfectly. But what we, what we really want to do is actually have people believe that they're awesome and then, and then actually like help them open doors or, or Vince is teaching people how to write and publish books. He's launching a, a, a company right now. If you want to get a, a book published, go to Vince. I mean, why, why aren't we beating down the doors for the guy that we know is supposed to be in that position? This, this is how we become the body and how we take over the world. Our mission's never changed. It's world domination. That's what we're doing tonight, Pinky. We're taking over the world. That's Revelation. I mean, sorry, Genesis. <laughs> Wrong end of the book, Genesis. <laughs> That's your calling. Just take over the world. Dominate. Increase the dominion and kingdom of heaven so that the kingdoms of the world look like the kingdoms of our God. You're not going to do it on your own. I want to hammer this home one more time, guys. We are not going to accomplish the desires and dreams of our heart until we do it in the aspect of community. You're not going to see it happen. Because he's more interested in having all of our rough edges rounded off by our friends than he is in having another world changer. All right. That was kind of a rebuke, wasn't it? That's fun. I don't often rebuke. Let's stand up and pray. We're going to get some lunch and watch some football. Ha! Jesus, we love you, Lord. We ask that you would increase the party in our hearts, that your kingdom would come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. You lead us not into temptation. And Father, that you would just destroy self-doubt and shame and self-hatred in us right now. Cause us to really, really believe the good things that you say about us. And Father, I ask that you, would, that you would unite this body more than any church has ever been united before. Father, that we wouldn't even need like a yellow pages directory. We would know what everyone's strengths, talents, their businesses are that we would be referring people to one another, that we would be bringing in business, that we would be trying to open doors for our brothers and sisters to be promoted into the positions that they were called to obtain and fulfill on this planet. Father, I ask that you would take people from this room and place them on the mountaintops of the realms of society.
From this very room, Lord, I ask that you would, you would bring out CEOs that shape the marketplace, that you would bring out educators that change the way that children are taught. Father, that you would bring out entertainers that shift Hollywood. Father, that you would, you would bring out lawyers that change our government. Father, that you would bring out the rest of the mountains, <laughs> all of those mountains, Lord. You'd put people on the tops of those places of influence in our country and in our world from this very room. And now help us to believe what you say. In Jesus' name, amen.